0: welcome to a single serving podcast. This is where we change the discussion around being single into one that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I'm a writer and freelancer based in Brooklyn, and I've been single for 11 years. Whenever I see content for single women online, it's about dating, how to date, where to date, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I think we deserve more than that. So on this podcast, it's my goal to expand what we talk about when we talk about being single and acknowledge the realities of it that non-single people don't get to see. I'll be joined every week by guests and we'll talk about the positives, the negatives, and all the parts in between, and hopefully laugh about them too. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I'm really happy to have you as a listener, and I hope that if you haven't yet, you will join the Facebook group for this podcast because it's a pretty cool place to be. Um, I realize that every time I record a podcast episode, I tell you in these little intros who I'm about to speak to, and then I introduce them also once I start the interview. So rather than tell you who I'm talking to twice, I'm just going to not do that now and let you hear who I'm speaking to once the interview starts. Um, very, very grateful to all of you for listening, for leaving ratings and reviews, for all of your comments, your emails. Um, It means the world to me. This is a passion project of mine and I'm very happy uh, with the response to it. And I'm very happy that so many people feel like it's theirs and they're a part of it because you all are. And I'm really happy to have you as listeners. I'm going to get started with the interview now, but as always, if you ever have any questions or if there are ever guests that you would like me to interview, you can always get in touch with me at a single serving podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram. You can join the Facebook group. There are lots of ways to find me. It's not hard. So please feel free to get in touch anytime. I'm really excited to talk to my guests today for a variety of reasons, um, one of which is that... I've never talked to anybody on this podcast who has a two in front of their age, and both of these guys do. They're also podcasters themselves. I'm speaking with Bitsy Foster and Weston Blankenship of Petty, Single, and Always Late. Welcome, you guys, to the podcast.
1: Thank you. We are so excited to be here.
2: Yes, thank you.
0: I'm really happy to have you. I really enjoy looking through the Your Listeners Also Listened To section of my podcast, and that's how I found you guys. So I feel like we're going to have a lot of audience members in in common and a lot of discussion topics in common. And I also am dying to know how the youths are dating these days.
1: So thank you. It's a battlefield. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: So tell everybody a little bit about yourselves. Tell everyone where you live and what you guys do for a living. And
2: um, we'll go from there.
1: Okay. So me and Weston are kind of like the same person.
2: Yeah, pretty much if Bitsy introduces herself, everything she said pretty much applies to me as well. (laughs) Um, But we live in Kansas City. (laughs) Kansas City, it's just like everyone calls it a flyover city, but it actually is like really cool. I feel like up and coming. There's a lot of young people in here. It did bottom out on the lists of most data best cities to date in. And it came in as like the worst.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: I would say that that's working against us.
1: That's the only reason we're single because of our surroundings, not who we are as people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Not um, my multiple personalities at all.
1: <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, we're, I'm 26. Weston just turned 27. We celebrated his birthday for the 4th of July because he had to take over a national holiday. Right. Um, we unfortunately work full time. It's, you know, really stressful. I'm tired of people saying that it's only eight-hour days. It's it's more than that. It's At one, it's nine hours because you get a lunch hour, but you still have to mm-hmm. stay there. The stress it causes before and after work, it's like it's a full-time job. It's 24-7.
2: Yeah, let's not even talk about, you know, the sleep that we lose just thinking about our jobs. But we do work in IT, so anytime I turn on a TV or turn on a lamp or say, hey, Alexa, it's because I work in IT is what I tell my friends. That's uh, why we but- do it. Yeah. And what's the most people are surprised to find that we have full time jobs.
0: Everyone's yeah. surprised that sure. I have a full time job. Everyone thinks that I podcast for a living and that I write a column for Refinery 29 twice a month and that pays rent. But I've done that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Especially in New York, you could not pay rent with just that. I mean,
0: you can't <laughs> go to Trader Joe's, man. Like, there's no, this is not, not anything near a full time gig. But there, you're right. It's not eight hour days anymore. I think it's eight hour sleeps. And if you're awake, you're working. I think that's
1: what life is. Because we have our phones. And so before, like my parents, they didn't have email on their phone. They couldn't send out emails. You could only have your computer and really internet access while you were at work. And they didn't have cell phones. They had pagers. You know, it was just a different ballgame.
2: Our parents took typewriting classes. Let that sink in. (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? I think so. They're baby boomers. I think baby boomers took typewriting, didn't they? Okay. I could be making things up now. I'll
0: uh, yeah. Just text your mom while we're recording. Text your mom and ask her and we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. I know that my grandmother had penmanship classes and she used to hate my handwriting and she used to tell me to be a doctor when I grew up because apparently doctors have shitty handwriting. That's a thing. I don't know.
1: That they do because you can never read the script whenever they're writing you a prescription.
0: I know. It's like I could drop a pen on the paper and, and give myself Xanax.
1: <laughs> exactly. I should. I can write my own. Seriously. Um,
0: so are you both single people?
1: I'll let Weston answer that one to start
2: with. You know, I will say it depends on how you look at it. Really, I am single, very single. However, you could say I have multiple boyfriends. You know, I like to play the field out there. But if I am being honest, I'm single um, to the most, I would say to the most extreme. Got it. see. So,
1: um, yes, I'm single. I just don't have the energy to date right now. It's just too exhausting. And if we're being completely honest, I don't put myself in situations where I could meet someone to date them. Because during the week, I just go to work, I go to the gym, and then I go home to my dog. And that that's sounds about lovely.
0: It. I too have no energy or patience to date. I, I don't really date anymore. I kind of just live. And like if I accidentally <laughs> cross paths with my future life partner, I think that that's fantastic. And I do look forward to that someday. But like dating as a to-do item is so done. Like there's just no, that is not a part of my life in any way, shape or form. Um, How do you, well, one of the big reasons why I started this podcast, why I do anything ever is I hate the way that society talks about Single women and single people, um, and I hate the way that being single is always viewed as a negative. It's always seen as something you have to fix or have to change. It's like always coming from an inherently negative place. Um, but I get that I'm not the only opinion in the world. I'm the only opinion in my tiny apartment in Bed but I am not the only opinion that matters on the topic. So I'm, I always ask everybody, like, what? How do you feel about being single? And I, feel free to be completely honest. Like, I don't. I'm not looking for sugarcoating or, or skipping over anything.
1: Um, so me, I, I, I'm 26 and I live in the Midwest, which a lot of people in the Midwest and a lot of my friends, they're married already. They started getting married pretty much right out of college, and um, it ma- it gives me anxiety because I feel like there's a timeline in the society and the culture here that I'm not fitting into, and so sometimes I just like feel anxious, like I'm still single, I'm never going to find anyone. And I'm like, wait, I'm 26, I have time, and it that like it stresses me out. And luckily, I don't have pressure from my my family to have have kids but you know or in like to get married and have kids but I have people also in work so I work in IT and it's all men I'm the only girl underneath my director of like 50 people and I've had them tell me that at 25 it was time for me to to settle down a guy told me that and I just like stared at him and I was like okay. And then someone else like a month ago told me my biological clock was ticking. And I was like, that's not safe for work. That's <laughs> HR. <laughs> You're
2: like, go fist yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't mind. Like I, I've come to where I don't mind being single. I, and again, I, I like my life and that's where it's kind of hard is because I feel like I would have to meet someone where I'm willing to change how I, how I act and what I do. I haven't found Same.
0: That. I feel exactly the same. I'm not going to be with someone again until I like them more than I like being single. And I happen to really enjoy this. So I feel like he's going to have to be quite, quite the Viking in order for me to stop doing this shit.
2: So um, Weston, what about you? So I guess I have a little bit of a different experience. Um, I, I didn't plan on being emotionally unavailable at 27, but here I am. And I feel like in the in the gay community, it's so different because like a lot of my straight friends are getting married, they are um, talking about having kids or already having kids, which is kind of that standard that you know Bitsy was talking about. But being gay, a lot of gay guys really don't settle down. In this is my experience and opinion until like their late thirties or forties. And so, being twenty seven now, I don't really see a lot of truly committed relationships within my friends. There are some. You know, but they're not engaged. I I can count on like one hand how many engagements I know that are about my age. So I don't feel like I so much have that pressure of finding someone and getting married, but it does worry me a little bit of am I gonna get to that point to where whenever I am ready to settle down, like am I gonna find someone else that's also at that same stage in life? Because I feel like a lot of gay men are kind of all over the board. You know, some people are ready to settle down at twenty-one and then some people you know, wait till they're like 45 or 50, you know? So it's a little bit different. But as far as enjoying being single, I do like it. I like no rules. I wish I could have my cake and eat it too, but I can't. So I I just enjoy like the the pressure and not feeling like tied down, I guess is my, is where I really take joy in it, you know?
0: Do you think that because in a gay relationship, uteruses are not on the table, that the pressure is eased up? Because it's like, you don't have the same biological clock that a relationship involving two women or a guy and a girl would have.
2: You know, I haven't thought a whole lot about that, but that I'm sure does play a part. Because let's say I do settle down when I'm 45. There's no reason that me and like a partner couldn't, you know, have kids and even biological kids of our own or even at 55. So I guess that's true. There is no biological clock, so to speak, ticking. I also feel like, so a lot of people don't come out until they're in their early twenties. I mean, it's getting better and a lot more people are coming out in high school, but so like that dating and first love experience that I think a lot of straight people have early on in like high school, a lot of gay people don't have until their mid or late twenties. And so it kind of puts you, um, I don't want to say sets you back, but your timeline of dating and finding someone is stunted, you know, compared to someone who started dating in high school.
0: I never thought about it that way. That is such a good point that like, you know my 15 year old summer camp romances would not have been happening for my gay friends that were closeted that's i have never thought about it that way thank you for pointing that out that's i'm gonna think about that for quite a while
2: (laughs) i mean trust me i tried to sleep with the camp counselor but then they were like it's this church camp that's not appropriate and i was like okay fine whatever i'll go back to dating my girls who were just my best friends
0: oh (laughs) That's a beautiful segue, Weston, because one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on the podcast is that I love stories of how people met. And because we live in the society we live in, people only give a shit about how couples met, except for me. I like to hear how friends met too, because I think there are some really cool stories behind our closest relationships. And um, I would like the two of you to tell me the story of how you met.
1: This is funny because we went to dinner at the Olive Garden last night because we were really feeling ourselves and feeling <laughs> fancy. And we actually talked about, I was, I was asked him, I was like, when? So I guess we'll just, we'll just say, um, we met in college mm-hmm. when we were, I was a mere 18 years old.
2: I was already 19, a late bloomer. You know, <laughs> it, it was a dark and stormy night.
1: We lived on the same floor freshman year. We literally met the first mm-hmm. move-in day. And you can say that we were first enemies.
2: Yeah, we definitely didn't like each other. Bitsy thought I was weird. And
1: he thought I was a bitch. And I think both still kind of stay true.
2: Yeah, we weren't wrong in our thoughts.
1: Um, But it is funny because when I met Weston, he was still, in quotes, straight.
2: Mm -hmm. I was. I was still very much so in the closet. And I was, like, trying to go to fraternity parties. And I was trying to look cool and bring the girls with me. But at that time, I just really was figuring a a whole lot of things out. And uh, Bitsy kind of helped me figure that out. But we became friends before we even started that journey. Yeah.
1: yeah. We became we became really, really close. Pro- not the relationship we have right now, but um, we became really good friends mm-hmm. freshman year there was a the point when I knew that Weston was going to be like where we transitioned from just floor mates to friends I was, we were watching we we're laying in my room watching Ever After with Drew mm-hmm. Barrymore and it was just me and him <laughs> and I was like okay me and him are going to be friends
2: yeah I will say Bitsy was minding her own business watching the movie <laughs> and I just waltzed right in I was like what you doing oh it's going to disturb Bitsy's peaceful day <laughs> and I plopped right down there on the blanket and there we watched Ever After
1: when did you realize me and you were going to be friends
2: I think I realized it when we were playing um, Mario Kart, and you kept kicking my ass over and over and over again, and you were reveling in the victory, and Mm -hmm. I was secretly getting so frustrated, and I was like, I'm going to beat her. And then we were on that icy penguin level, and I was about to win, and I was like, yes, it's going to be a good day. (laughs) And Bitsy leans up and just unplugs the Wii. (laughs) She totally unplugs it. And I thought, you know, there's a lot I could learn from this girl. I think I'll keep her around. (laughs) And it was fun, so...
1: He still never beat me. Just so we know, we can make that clear, whether it's me not letting him win or
2: <laughs> you know, as as I would call it, or as Bitsy would call it, an act of God happened. The game just shut down. Yeah, so that I mean, things it happen. Win, guys.
0: It happens all the time. What um what college did you guys go to?
1: Southeast Missouri State in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Yeah,
2: it's really super prestigious, hard to get into with their ninety eight percent acceptance rate. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs>
0: I also have, still have in my life, my friends that I met the first night that I was in college, and I I love that kind of friendship longevity. I think it's amazing. So as I mentioned, first of all, great story by the way. Anything that includes a Drew Barrymore movie, I'm on board for. Um, She's amazing. so good. But um, so you guys are in your twenties, and I have not been that for a while. And everyone that I've had on the podcast so far, we're really focusing on like the thirty the thirties decade and, and like our dating experiences within it and our, um, the ways that we are interacting with our friends and families in the world around us being people in their thirties and single primarily women. Although I have had several men on the show and every time, every time I have a guy on the show, their response to like how they feel about being single is that they enjoy it. And this last time that I had a guy on the show that enjoyed being single, someone in the Facebook group was like no shit. Like every time a guy's going to like love being single and every girl that's on it's like, I'm so over this bullshit. But um, I really like getting everybody's perspective on things. And that includes talking to people who are way younger than me. And so I'm 37 and I've been single for 11 years and you guys are about a decade younger than me. And I don't have any frame of reference for dating in my twenties in 2019. So tell me what that is like.
1: So I can tell you from like a girl's point of view, it's definitely all all of my friends that are dating right now are dating off of apps, whether it be Bumble or Hinge. I will say Tinder, none of my friends use Tinder because people look at that as a hookup app. And that's kind of what it's become. But I just think, I think it's difficult because I feel like everyone, so you have so many options, right? So you can just swipe through people. You don't want to commit to someone because you're like, But I can get on an app and swipe through 50 more people. Mm -hmm. What if one of them is better for me? And it's kind of like you're always just chasing this ghost that doesn't really exist, which makes it hard for someone to commit.
0: Do you find that you like – are you going on enough dates in your opinion? Do you actually like connect with people and meet in real life, not in front of screens often?
1: Um, I go through phases of where I will go on uh, like 10 dates with like different people in a a month and then I'll go through phases where I don't go on dates for months at a time just because again I don't want to sacrifice I don't I don't have I don't feel like sacrificing my time because you just don't know if it's going to be worth it which is really horrible to say but you don't um but I feel like whenever I am in my zone of I'll go on a bunch of dates Mm -hmm. I I do I, I feel like I have, but I go on enough. And I, I can talk to a brick wall. And so I feel like that makes guys a lot of time think that I'm like a connection with them when really I'm just being personable.
0: You have originality and, is essentially what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And then it's just – it it turns into like where you have to break up with someone that you're not even dating. And it's that's also like makes me feel guilty and bad. And it, it shouldn't because I, I, I'm a firm believer that if you have gone on just even one or two dates, you don't owe someone anything. Like you – Of course, to be nice, be like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not interested or something like that. But it feels like you, since social media and so much texting, Mm -hmm. that it feels like you have to actually break up with someone you went on one date with.
0: Yeah, because otherwise you're pinned as a ghost and that's like bad dating karma. So you don't want to do that. But it's like such, how many ways can you tell somebody that you don't want to go on a second date? I I feel that. I
2: completely feel that. Oh, I've gotten creative. Trust me. Uh, (laughs) I would agree with everything Bitsy said, the apps, like everyone is on the apps, um, I, I've also been in a phase, pretty much since I've been single. I haven't stopped going on dates and making connections <laughs> with people. Okay, Weston's <laughs> one of those
1: people where he says he's really single, but he's truly never single.
2: I'm like a, I'm a serial dater, as uh, as we call it. So like I'm as soon as maybe something doesn't work out, I immediately go on another date. But I don't always commit to a second date. Um, but I think... he
1: always has someone who he is texting or talking to.
2: Yeah. I like company, but (laughs) I think social media adds on to like the apps is because you can find out so much about people now dating, um, just off of social media, who they're friends with, their interests, their likes, the type of person that they are. You can see all of that. And, I think dating in your 20s now, that's something we've had for several years now. And it's just become a custom of dating, you know, doing a little backstalking, a little bit of research.
0: You're doing like Ocean's Eleven style recon on the dates before the dates actually happen. And our parent, both of our parents' generations can't fathom that. It's just, there's no way that you learn about a person by learning about a person, by spending time with them, not stalking the last six years of their lives and learning like their aunt's name it's just there's way too much information about everybody online
1: i agree and i think a lot of the time when you're going through that length of stalking you're kind you are trying to find a reason to back out of the date you think so like you're searching for things to point out that are wrong like if you before a date you're like stalking them on Instagram I find with myself at least I will be stalking their Instagram and I'll be like oh my god this picture from 2014 mm-hmm. he's he's wearing cargo shorts I can't date, go on a date with him like I mean I'm being petty and not serious, but I look for things or reasons why I shouldn't go out with them.
2: Red flags.
1: Red flags.
0: Yeah. I mean, it does save time. It potentially saves the money you were going to spend on wine. I fully get that. I fully get that. I think the the biggest difference, just in talking with you guys for the last 20 minutes of my life, I think the biggest difference between dating in your 20s and dating in your 30s, or at least dating in your 20s and my 30s, is um, abundance. Because I – and I remember this from being in my 20s. There were, like, always new people to go on dates with. There were always people around. I was always meeting people. And it sounds like you guys have, like, abundance of interaction. And I think the older I get, the, like, the more that drops. Like, the opportunities to meet new people, just sort of the – Like the amount of people in your sphere starts to dwindle. And I don't know if that's just like people are getting married and partnering off or we're like 30 something and we're over it. I have no idea why, but it sounds like in your 20s, there are like, for lack of a better way to put it, just more people around.
1: Totally. I I can, I can agree with that even with my, because my Mm -hmm. sister's in her 30s and she's married and she does have some single friends who actually live in New York as well, but they're, they're still. Oh my God, tell them about my podcast. I should, Yeah. (laughs) I'll have to – we'll post about it on my social, and then they can see it. I don't talk Amazing. to them. But <laughs> – <laughs> No. No, but um, I agree because all of their friends, they have to create a new friend group than the ones that they had because all of their friends that are partnered up in movie – like, you know, having kids or getting married or something, they don't – now don't have as much in common just because if they're still searching for a partner, then – the friend groups, like they kind of have to find a new friend group mm-hmm. who's wanting to also go out and meet people like you.
2: I think your interests change and your, your intentions when you do things also change. Cause like, I know for me, anytime I go or do anything, there's always the opportunity or the thought of, is this it? Am I going to meet someone at this bar or at this event? You know? So I think that whenever you are coupled up off, that's your intentions and your interests change. And so that's like Betsy said, you kind of have to find that new uh your new wingman if you will.
0: Oh, for sure. And you also have to sort of guide your friendships to be what you need them to be. I didn't learn how to do that until very recently. Like there you have to show people how to show up for you sometimes, and I think I have been really bad in the past about communicating with my coupled up friends about how I need them to show up for me, and I've gotten better at that later in life. Thank goodness. And now I have many many dear friends who are in couples and I never feel third wheelie. I never feel like jealous of what they've got going on. It's more like you're learning how to build family out of friends. And I think I've gotten way better at that as I've gotten older, but in my twenties, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So what are some of the ways that the two of you
2: as friends show up for each other?
1: How do you, how do I show up for you, Wes?
2: Um, So Bitsy is also my built-in, live-in therapist. Um. Are you roommates? Oh, yeah, we're roommates. Oh, yeah, we are roommates. (laughs) Oh, that is She's not.
0: convenient. That (laughs) is very convenient to have a therapist on hand. That's like how J-Lo had her manicurist living with her for a while.
1: Oh, my God. I didn't know she had that, but that's genius. This is why I wish Weston was like a girl's gay and he could be my stylist my yeah. hairstylist might d- do my manicures, but he's not. No, I didn't
2: get any of the like good gay jeans. I just got the ones that, the one that likes men, which that should prove it's not a choice right there.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> but no, Bitsy's not actually a certified therapist. I just go to her for everything.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. Um,
2: she should be at this point. <laughs> but I think that you show up for me. It, wait, what was, are you showing up for me or am I showing up for you? How
1: do I show up for you?
2: I think you show up for me whenever I get I don't really know. bad anxiety. Um, when they're dealing with relationships or if maybe I go out and I have a little bit too much to drink and my true colors come out, you know? And whenever I had that anxiety, I like talked to Bitsy a lot over and over again, just getting like all that energy out there. And she's always really supportive in that way. And I do have this bad little habit of being cynical when it comes to guys and dating and men. And I can maybe look for things that aren't really there And Bitsy will let me know whenever I'm being too cynical, you know, because of, because I'm damaged (laughs) or I do the opposite where I look past everything like it that could, that is wrong with that person. Like, Hey Weston, he doesn't have a job. He hasn't had a job for three months. Why are you talking to him? And so I think that's how Bitsy shows up for me in regards to dating, um, in regards to life. She threw out all my affliction teas, and I can never thank her more for that. So
1: <laughs> I did that, had to be done. No, how I, now I'm gonna say how you show up for me. Is oh, you yeah. see what we're doing here, Weston.
2: God, I just I'm wanted ge-
1: you to compliment me, and I liked it. It kind of built me up, it felt good. You don't compliment me enough.
2: I just got so confused. This question was very hard for my psyche. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I could got tell. so confused. My apologies, my apologies.
2: Um, <laughs> No. I will
1: say Weston is a friend because we've been friends for eight years now, which we looked it up and you have to be friends with someone for seven years for it to be for life. So we were in this together, but I've had like a lot of ups and downs in my life of, um, of times of not happy, being happy, not being, you know, my, my best self. And Weston stuck with me as a friend through all of my ups and downs, um, she didn't always, pay me. <laughs> didn't pay her. And my mom wasn't paying him either. But yeah, just he, anytime I ever need something, while if he's taking a nap, I will have to call 15 times. He will eventually answer and give me the attention I need. Um, if I, I know that if I, if I ever got hurt or something, he would drop anything, a guy hurts my feelings and Weston's ready to throw down. <laughs> he is just someone he's a he's a rock. That's a good thing to Aww, say.
0: I love this. I love
1: yeah.
0: I love when people can be there for each other in the way that they need somebody to be there for them. I don't think we pay enough attention to what our friends do for us and how they're how they're giving us the attention we need or the support that we need. And it becomes clearer the older you get and the less you have it. So if I can make one suggestion as someone older, um I think, and I wish I would have done this and I'm going to start doing it now. I think the two of you, you know how like before people get married, they have a prenup. I think – You two now, while you're both technically single, should like document all the ways that you're going to continue to be each other's friends when one of you is in a relationship or both. Because things do change when you partner up, but you don't ever want to lose the friendships that mean the most to you. I wish that I could have laid out with several of my friends, like, here's how life is going to carry on once you get married and I'm single for the next 10 years. I wish I would have like had the foresight to do that. So I'm like trying to pass along this
1: wisdom. That's a really good idea.
2: Mm -hmm. We definitely need to. Just it. because
1: it is so hard. Because whenever, so whenever Weston goes through one of his many phases of having a boyfriend, I have to be like, Weston, he, tra- cause Weston travels every week for work. And my love language is quality time. So I just, I don't care about like other stuff, but I like spending like face to face time with people hanging out. And some, I would have to be like, Weston, I need to hang out with you too. Yeah. Just because we live together, we're not hanging out, you're just sleeping. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I sleep
1: a lot. (laughs)
0: Quality time is very important. It is very, very important. And it's also like – I've talked about this a lot about how there are like strains on relationships when one person partners and the other one doesn't. And the one that has not partnered has these like shitty feelings toward the one in the partnership. But I hate that because – I think it's really weird to get mad about something that you yourself are also seeking. So like knowing these things and talking about these things with friends beforehand, I think is really, really, really important. And then like also just telling people the ways that they show up for you that you appreciate because if you tell them that, I feel like they're just going to keep doing it more. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: No, I, I agree. I, I think that's a good idea because – so one of my best girlfriends um, got a boyfriend not to – well, I guess – when was it? It was like, it was like six – or no, no, Several like months ago now. Several months ago. And at first, I just was like so annoyed. I was so annoyed. And it was because I was one – I think I was jealous. I was jealous that she was in a relationship and I wasn't, which I had to accept and say that because I, there was no reason for me to be jealous. It's not like I wanted to date him, but it was just like – oh, she has something that I want and I've been like trying to to get and I haven't. And then also I felt like I was being replaced, which I didn't like either. And so I had to talk to her about all of this. And then once we talked, everything's been great, but it was, there was like a, a month of rockiness because on my end, it was my fault.
0: And we never think about that. We never think about like couples therapy is pretty common, but friends therapy is like weird, but why? Because we spend so much time with our friends and we rely on them so much, it's no wonder that, like, when there is a change in dynamic, like shit goes off the rails for sure. It's it's. There is so many things right. I wish that I would have known about friendships and how valuable they were going to become when I was. Oh God, I hate the phrase "when I was your age." Did I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> but you are right about getting new groups of friends. As time progresses because people do partner and you do feel like kind of on the outside and you do have to like replenish your stock of single friends because it's the, it's literally only group of friends with a hole in the bucket. It's like people partner up all the time and things change all the time and you like hanging on to friendships when dynamics change I think is like a very valuable skill set just, just FYI.
2: Because it's that's kind of something I've struggled with as an, as an adult is my, a lot of friendships have changed. Um, Bitsy, <laughs> Bitsy has stuck with me through thick and thin, but I've definitely had really close friendships that we did grow apart. And I hate that. And it makes me really sad. And I always wonder what could we have done differently to, and it's not like we had a falling out or anything happened or we got mad at each other. Our lives just went in different directions. And so I agree if I had that skill set. Um, I could kind of avoid those sad feelings that come with growing apart, you know?
0: Maybe everyone should just start podcasts together and that will be a consistent weekly activity (laughs) that will bring you together and make you learn team building skills. How did you guys actually start your podcast? How did you decide to do this?
1: This has been an ongoing thing in our lives since we were, we we didn't know it was going to be a podcast at first. Um, We just knew we wanted to start something because we just love hearing ourselves talk. (laughs) No,
2: I can't get enough of it. (laughs)
1: Um, We at first wanted to do a YouTube channel. And then I got really into podcasts, and I just loved listening to podcasts, and I kind of saw um, an opening of, one, there being a lack of Midwest-focused dating podcasts, and also there wasn't a ton of gay perspective podcasts out there, especially with the straight co-host.
2: Right. Because every, most girls have their GBF, and most gay guys have their best girlfriend, so... I, basically I walked in one day, Bitsy tied me to a chair, put a microphone in front of me, and said, We're starting a podcast. Let's and that's go. how it started.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I would love to start a podcast with my friend Connor, but there is always the the bestie. The gay bestie is one of my one of my most cherished relationships, and he always listens to this every week and then he texts me afterwards. So hi Connor.
1: Um Hey Connor. <laughs> hey Connor. <laughs> I love you. <laughs>
0: Um, And his husband, Jake, is fantastic. And you know what's so funny is like these friendships that I've made since I've become like a woke single are so much firmer than the friendships that I had before where like I would feel jealous or left out or like I had been replaced when somebody partnered up and got a relationship. So I feel like I'm just better at this whole friend shit now. Um, Maybe. I don't know. Connor, write into the podcast email and let me know if I'm a good (laughs) friend or not. Um, so the petty part I'm here for, and the single part I'm, I'm quite obviously here for, um, I need you both to make a case quickly on the always late thing, because there's, I mean, there are very few things in life that I hate with the fire of the core of the sun, but lateness is one of those things. I, there's it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. So tell me, but I'm, I'm willing to hear other opinions. I'm willing to welcome other thoughts and other opinions. What's the case for me on why being always late is totally chill?
1: So here's the thing. We are always late as humans. One though, I will, I will make it known that I'm going to be late. It's not going to be a secret. I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm on my way. And really I'm getting ready. And be like, hey, I'm going to be late. Sorry, but if it's something that's important, we will always be on time. Like, let's say it's someone's wedding. We're not going to show up, you know, we might show up just as the ceremony is starting, but we right. won't interrupt it.
2: I might show up right as the bride starts walking down the aisle, and I might have to walk down with her to find my seat, but I'm not going to interrupt <laughs> it. No, I, we did try changing as people, and we have worked so hard at being on time, but it is just, I don't know, I don't know if I have what it takes. I... We'll agree, like work stuff and things that are serious, we will, you know, be on time for. But you know that saying, um, if you're on time, you're late, that is my least favorite saying in the world. Like I hate, I don't like being early to things because then I feel like I have to wait for something to start and then I'm wasting time.
1: I was early one time meeting a friend somewhere and I was like, that's the last time I'll ever be early. Because yeah. I hated waiting,
0: but you do know that when you, that feeling that you had when you were early is how everyone feels when you're late because it's the same time frame I, that's involved in
2: waiting
1: so i understand that but we have kind of brainwashed our friends and um to where now they just are just like yeah. it's the norm
2: it's not an expectation for us to be on time anymore but
0: and it's good to come to these realizations about your friends for sure um, I have friends that I will tell them that whatever is starting is not the actual start time. I will give them the start time that I know is going to net me their arrival when I want it to happen. <laughs>
1: That's for what people sure. do to us.
2: That's what yeah. all my boyfriends do to me.
1: But I will say if I'm meeting like just one friend for dinner or drinks, I will not leave them hanging and make them feel awkward and be alone. like i I would be on time for that. But if it was if it's a group of people that I'm like, oh, they have each other if I'm running late.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. And when you say that you text if you know you're going to be late. Mm-hmm. The, the ultimate lateness pet peeve of mine is when I get a text that someone is running late at the time we were supposed to meet. You are not running late at that point. You are late at that point. And because I live in New York and I live in Brooklyn, wherever I'm going. I have to leave 45 minutes before start time. So if I don't get a text until the minute we were supposed to meet, you have then just told me that you don't give a shit about my commute, essentially, or how many glasses of wine I'm going to have to drink before you get there to amuse myself. Like I can't, that text that I'm running late at the meeting time is the quickest way for me to never go to dinner with you again for sure. I, but I'm also like, a raging, heinous animal about this one topic, lateness. And everything else, I'm, I'm relatively chill and hopefully easy to get along with. Again, Connor, email the podcast and tell people if I need <laughs> to get along with. But in general, can't get down with the lateness, but you both made some very good points and I appreciate your time. What else can I ask you? I've really been trying to ask my guests more questions that have nothing to do with dating and being single because I've talked to some really interesting and amazing people. And then that's like all we discuss. So, like, I want to know, like, cool shit. I discussed this with my guest a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to hear her cool shit. Like, what are we watching right now?
1: Um, I just watched – so I'm really into sci-fi. I'm also kind of like a total total nerd when it comes to, to like, movies and kind of stuff in general. I also love video games because I'm a nerd. Um, but I just watched this TV show called Winona Ryder, and it was a, a sci-fi, and I did binge that. And it was pretty good. So I suggest it to anyone out there.
0: Yeah. It's a television show called Winona Ryder.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. I just made that up. Why I keep saying Winona Ryder? Winona Herb. <laughs> oh, is it Winona so... Ryder, the actress? Yes. Yeah. So I yeah. keep getting it confused with because Winona is not a common name. The TV show is Winona oh. Herb. My apologies. Got it. Got it. It's on Netflix, three seasons. Amazing. Healthy time length being about forty-five minutes.
2: <laughs> Love it. Love it. Weston, what about you? I'm a weirdo, and I don't watch a whole lot of Netflix or Hulu. Uh, back to how how much I sleep, basically. But I have actually stuck with Orange Is the New Black, and it's the final season, so I'm binging that season, that last season currently. Is there a character on Orange Is the New Black named Shaney? Um, I don't think so. But there's also like a hundred characters, so I could be um having a little a, a cognitive slip.
0: Somebody messaged me on Instagram, and it was like. This actress and it said in her bio that she plays someone named Shani on Orange is the New Black. And because I don't watch the show, I don't know if it's like a Shani pronunciation and it's not actually my name or what. But I did hear I never hear my name ever in the wild, like literally ever. It's just not a name that I hear. It's not a name that I meet. And Netflix did have like this movie that I was watching one time on a whim. I can't remember what it was called. But There was a girl on there named Shaney walking out of a therapist's office, which is really on brand. But like actually said Shaney. I had to turn the subtitles on. I filmed it. I was like screaming at my television freaking out. But anyway, um, I don't watch Orange is the New Black. That's that's the way that I'm gonna choose to get around to that story. Um what else? What are some podcasts that you guys listen to that are not your own?
1: Um, well, Weston's the worst and doesn't listen to podcasts, but I listen to all all the podcasts um I listen to the lady gang which they just came out with a tv show on e and I like because they have will have really interesting guests you know um stylists people from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for example because I love the Beverly Hills um uh, Real Housewives the best but I like that and they're just like three girls out there killing it, making names for themselves. They didn't have famous parents, but they're in Hollywood and, you know, got on a major network, which I thought was very like admirable and something that I would love to attain. Um, I listened to The Morning Toast, which is they're, – they're on every day. Um, and it's like a morning show and they'll talk about all the celebrity gossip. So if you want to get your celebrity gossip in, that's when you do it.
0: Oh, I like that. I kind of want to just like yell at Alexa and tell her to give me just like the very pertinent – Details of celebrity gossip, but I don't think we're on that level yet. I think she's still just like setting timers for me when I cook and giving me the weather. That's about it. Oh my god, <laughs> my dad
1: is obsessed with Alexa. You saying that just like kind of gave me PTSD <laughs> from how he screams at Alexa when he when she doesn't understand him. He's like Alexa, and I'm like running around the house unplugging every Alexa <laughs> in the house. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I.
0: I have to wrap things up with you two, which absolutely breaks my heart. But before we do that, um, I would like you to tell me your favorite quality about the other.
2: Oh my God. That's so sweet. I'm excited. I'm excited for my compliment.
1: (laughs) Do I have to go first?
2: Um, Yes.
1: Okay. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about what word I want to use. I guess I would have to say Weston's very loyal loyalty um i could get in a fight with someone and say the the sky is purple and the person would be like no the sky is blue it's always been blue and weston would be like she said the sky is purple the sky is purple like he would he would have my back for even if i was wrong god bless his soul
2: yeah. and they're times in the arby's parking lot which i know that sounds very trashy where i just saw bitsy getting in a fight i didn't know the details i rolled down my window and i jumped in
1: that actually did happen (laughs) we're not fighting people but we did get into a fight in arby's parking lot Uh, only verbal yeah just verbal
2: that is the best story that's ever been
0: told on this podcast ever (laughs) i love an episode where i know what the title is going to be while i'm recording it and i think a fight at arby's is what we're going to be
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay but what had happened was this person wasn't handicapped and parked in the handicapped spot and then they started yelling at me and i was just like what are you yelling at me for and Mm -hmm. i wasn't even in the handicapped spot and then um Weston yep, rolled down is. his window and started fighting with That's him. when
2: I jumped in. I rolled down my window and, you know, I, I dropped the F-bomb. I said, fuck you. And then I said, um, you remind me a lot of Satan. And then we rolled up the window and then we did have to put the pedal to the metal <laughs> a little bit, you know, get out of there.
1: <laughs> I'm ready yeah. for my compliment now.
2: Okay. So I would say my favorite quality about you is you are unchanging. You are who you are. You... I never have to guess where I stand with you or where someone else stands with you. You have such a, uh, so many good morals and integrity, which I know we're just saying our favorite qualities, so I can only list one. But I think that's why I say unchanging is because that encompasses all those good qualities about you. You know, you've haven't, everything you've been through, you haven't become a bitter person. And if anything, I think you just get better as with time. That you know, like,
1: so nice. You're, you're
2: like, you're like a flower that just keeps blooming and it just doesn't stop blooming.
1: that was the nicest thing we've ever said. I'm going to listen to that clip on repeat anytime I feel bad about myself. Yeah.
0: You're going to have it. I will make you a little MP3. I will email you a little clip <laughs> of of the sweet words that you've said to each other. But I love hearing them and I love talking to people who have genuine friendships that I know they're going to have for the rest of their lives, especially when we're talking about. Being single and needing these relationships and needing these connections. And there are a lot of different ways to have them. And I really thank you both for being on my podcast and helping me show everybody a beautiful friendship that is like 100% for life.
1: Uh, Thank you. It was so fun. I'm so glad you let us be a part of your your podcast. It was great.
2: Thank you both. I do have one follow up. Yes. I texted my mom and she did take typewriting classes (laughs) in high school. So. It's true. It really happened. (laughs)
0: Baby boomers and typing classes, you heard it here first. Thank you guys so much.
1: Thank you. Thank
2: you.